0: This podcast contains conversations about trauma and other challenging subjects and may be sensitive for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. If you need resources to get help, please see the show notes. You're listening to Drawn to a Deeper Story. I'm Kath Brew from drawntoastory.com. I'm an artist who illustrates and educates about marginalised experiences for positive change, with a particular interest in identity and belonging. This podcast is about the lives that challenge us and the difficult conversations around them, and it's a place to listen openly and to absorb people's truths, to learn how to show up differently for the benefit of everyone. And today I'm joined by Antonia Rolls. Thank you for joining me today, Antonia. Hi, Catherine. It's lovely to be with you again. It's fantastic to hear your voice. It's just lovely. So thank you so much. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Fantastic. Right. And for the listeners, you might be thinking, haven't I heard this woman before? And you would be right. Antonia actually was my very first guest on this podcast back in 2021. And Antonia is an artist who works essentially with difficult subjects but I wanted to invite Antonia back for further conversation as I think her experiences and the way she navigates them actually have a lot to offer others and for all of us to start to think about our lives and how we respond and how we behave around the things that, that happen to us. So Antonia, could you please share a little about kind of a little bit more about who you are and what's been happening since we last met? Yes. Well, who I am
1: is, as you say, Antonia Rolls. I am an artist. And I have three things which I think define me. First of all, I'm creative. Second of all, I don't conform. And third <laughs> of all, I need a platform. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that covers everything. So mm. my life has taken turns that I didn't expect. Mm-hmm. I deal with difficult subjects, which is death, end of life and dying, and also addiction. And when we first spoke on this podcast, we talked about how I was the mother of an addict, Mm -hmm. and how dealing with an addicted son is is very challenging and traumatic, but rewarding, and eye-opening in so many ways. And I created the exhibition, Addicts and Those Who Love Them, and Behind every addict is someone traumatized by loving them because mm. I am that person traumatized by loving them well um, on the 24th of February I found my son dead in his flat of an overdose and that has as you can imagine has changed so many things mm. and the exhibitions have come together now the addicts and those who love them have come full circle to the A Graceful Death exhibition. Mm. Mm
0: -mm. It's quite profound, really, that, isn't it? That circle.
1: It is very, it is, I'm going to use the word spooky Mm. because it has come full circle. And Mm. and I also, what has come full circle is that I gave birth to Costia Mm. and I was the one that he wanted to find him dead. So I saw him first when he was alive and I saw him first when he was dead. And that is
0: somehow a bit of a comfort I was just going to ask is that a comfort but I could feel myself slightly resisting because it didn't it didn't quite feel like a fair question in some ways well here is something which I I am
1: learning and which I believe everybody's grief is different everybody's journey is different and I am thinking That we are allowed joy and laughter in our grieving, it is possible. Mm -hmm. When we are tipped into grief, obviously everything crumbles around us. And this is my sixth personal loss. This is, you know, I just keep having them. You know, if I was thinking of a, a divine plan for life, I'm thinking, well, here is what I need to learn. I need to learn about dying, I need to learn about end of life, I need to learn about. Addiction, and I'm being given it in bucket loads. But joy is possible in grief. Mm. It may be as simple as just having a cup of tea and the pleasure that gives you. It's Mm. possible. So, comfort is also possible in grief if we allow it. But I do understand that when we are in the depths of grief and we are traumatized and we are in a kind of shock, joy and comfort, and on those words mean nothing and they don't come through. I think they have a place and and I think that it's not doing a disservice to our loved lost one by experiencing joy mm, mm.
0: I've watched you grieve in ways like I've never seen anyone else grieve with such grace but also really living your grief and and I mean that by embracing it so it's actually I don't want to say a positive thing but you're embracing it in a way that means that you're not actually letting it consume you to that point of being completely rendered useless by it. Is that a fair statement? There's something about what you're doing that I haven't seen people do before. And I'd be interested in what what your thoughts are on that.
1: Thank you for that, Kath. Okay, so there is an answer to this, and it's unconventional. This is my sixth personal loss. Mm -hmm. The first loss I had cracked me open like a nut. I experienced the absolute despair of grief in 2007 when I lost my partner, Steve. Mm -hmm. That uh, level of grief won't happen again, I don't think. So I've made a choice with Mm -hmm. this grief. So this is my choice. I've made a choice that the darkness and the demons, that attacked Kostya, my son, in his addiction and his alcoholism. Those demons and that darkness were so profoundly dark, they overwhelmed him. And in the end, they couldn't let him go. And they, they just closed over his head so there was no light left. And with his death, I think those demons have no place his life they can't harm him anymore there is nothing they can do but what they can do what that darkness can do is come for me Mm. and i can sink into the darkness of despair and bleakness and retrospect and guilt and shame because of his terrible terrible life as an addict and i made a decision that the darkness was had no place in my life, yeah. my grieving, or anyone else's grieving. And therefore, I'm going to look for the light. And looking for the light has meant that I I don't allow myself in that I stop myself when I'm in it, indulging, and I use the word indulging for myself, mm. I don't suggest other people do, in guilt, going back and getting absolutely stuck in situations where i could have done something different cost you could have done and that getting stuck rearranging the past puts you on a hiding to nowhere because when you finish rearranging it nothing happens it's still the same yeah yeah so in this grieving i am looking for the light and i don't know why i'm making it public but i am making it public Mm. And it surprised me that I've done that. And it surprised me that somehow other people are responding to it well in that when people are responding, they're not responding about me. They're responding about themselves because so many people are in grief and so many people have lost a loved one to addiction. And the shame that's attached to addiction and to an overdose death, which I've cost, cost just Still awaiting his inquest he's had um, a post-mortem but it was in my mind it was an overdose because of so many reasons I found the 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 syringe and things um just next to him um there's so much shame around this and I'm Mm. thinking you know my whole thing is about addicts and those who love them and the operative word in that exhibition being love which is not a sentimental thing. It's a big, powerful, yeah, stonking thing that, powerful yeah And it cracks around you and it shatters and you have to pick it up again and you have to
0: keep at it. So that's a long answer to a short question. <laughs> it's a wonderful answer. And there's several things in that that I, I want to pick out. And one of them is, is what you were saying about making a conscious choice about not letting it take you down as well. Because hindsight can be a wonderful thing, but it's also incredibly damaging because. We judge ourselves on decisions that were made without the knowledge that we have now. I think that we're especially hard on ourselves. So I, I'm particularly interested in how you manage the reflections on your thoughts of what might have been or not been. And, and you answer that beautifully. I think there's great power in realising where you could go with this, but you, you choose not to. And I think that's incredibly emotionally intelligent, actually.
1: Well, thank you, Kath. And, and I also think that I owe it to Kostya. You know, the darkness that engulfed him cannot be my darkness. It cannot be anybody's darkness. We can't have that. And by choosing the light in this bereavement doesn't mean I don't cry and I don't miss him. I wake up, you know, in the morning with this little, and I call it like a little existential scream in my Mm, head mm. because he's not here and there's nothing I can do about it. But then I have to make a choice. Well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? I have more life behind me than ahead of me. Am I going to get lost now, as I have been in the past with other bereavements? Or am I going to rise up with this one, taking with me the tears, the sadness, the missing him and all the regrets because we can't stop the regrets. And am I just going to... uh, do this looking for the light, whatever that means. And but the other thing is that nothing can harm Kostya anymore. Yeah. He cannot be hurt. He can't be hurt. He can't be touched by anything but love now. And I think I'm going to have a bit of that. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, he's my boy and he's touched by love. And we loved each other, even though he didn't often show it. <laughs> I'm just a mother's prerogative to say he loved me. mom. <laughs> 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 But I loved him and I know he loved me. But I'm going to join him in my own version of this light. Yeah. And do my crying and my missing and my being kind to myself. Mm.
0: Yeah. And and I think that's the power of you doing it publicly as well, because as you say, the the responses you're getting and giving it's giving people permission to blast that shame away with some light and actually that the love and actually talk about it in a different terms rather than than shame and all the difficult stuff i think there's a wonderfulness of of giving of you showing your vulnerability and giving people permission to be to be vulnerable themselves but but real vulnerability not clouded in all this extra stuff that actually they don't need to own
1: yeah and the words shame and guilt and regret those are really powerful words Mm -hmm. and we have to be so careful of them they're very good servants but not good masters and we can get lost in them because when somebody like Kostya died, who was only 29 and who was as disabled with addiction and alcoholism as a very old man with Alzheimer's, Mm. it was very sad. I could take that as my responsibility and say if only I had done this, that or the other. And if only things were different when they're not different, and I did what I could at the time, and so did he. And the other thing is that addiction is such a terrible thing in our minds. we can't, it, It's so hard to say, help me, my loved one is an addict, because people don't know what to say. With no. the best will in the world, they don't, because unless you've had experience of addiction, you don't know what to say. It's too much. But that drives it underground and we can't talk about it. And uh, the shame that an overdose death, that an addict death, that all the, because an addict dying isn't just something that happens after uh, there are no clues. Mm. By the time an addict takes an overdose or dies, there have been possibly years of outrageous, of appalling behaviour and trauma and police and ambulances Mm -hmm. and denials and all the terrible things and violence. You know, there is so much that is attached to addiction that when somebody dies of addiction, most of us are already quite traumatised by the whole experience. And we feel we, we can't possibly say, That this addict has died and we are hurt to our core because it's so hard to, as you say, shed a light on it. And what I want to do is just shine the light, say the words. Say, if I was to say it's all okay, it's not okay. Hmm. That's not okay. But what if the truth is that this thing is happening? It would be wonderful if we could say it. Yeah. And just acknowledge
0: it. And yeah, because it's the denial of it that makes it go underground, and be, and that's where the shame starts to come in. Like if we talked about it as though it was a normal everyday thing, because it's part of the human condition, Mm -hmm. then I think it would change massively.
1: It would. We would be able to support each other. I mean, a lot of the the um the responses I'm getting are from people who've lost someone to addiction, who are struggling in the darkness because they can't speak about it, or they feel that they can't speak about it, and. That doesn't do anyone any good, no. the darkness that got their loved one has got them,
0: yeah, exactly, and, and it continues, yeah
1: it does continue, and we yeah. don't know what, you know when we 're lost in darkness, we don 't know that we we don't have to have it,
0: no, and often you don't realize how deeply within it that you are when you're in experiencing something that's so deep or a stressful time in your life, it's very hard to pull yourself out or to to realize, and it's often the people that are observing you and that love you that can see so it's those who love those who love addicts like it's all of that the ripple effect of everybody observing it but you might not be able to see it yourself
1: and that that's a very that's very good Kath yeah because the other thing which I think is that we all need each other Mm. we all need each other no one can do this on their own no one should be left to do this on their own you know and I do think I don't have any proof for this, but I think at least one thing, a bereavement, a loss, or some such life event does crack us open, does absolutely floor us. When that happens, we do need other people to step in and give us perspective and help us. Mm. That happened to me in two thousand and seven, so I remember well the confusion and the 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 horror of the loss of of steve it's the first person i lost who i loved um and i couldn't believe it had happened i couldn't believe that this god that i thought was on my side had yeah. done this dastardly thing to remove somebody who should be here and hadn't listened to me and i i was angry and i was unstable actually i was absolutely unstable with this loss so that i consider is that the loss that cracked me open and coming back from that and through that has made me realize through the next losses right up to Costia that that mustn't happen again because I'm needed here and I'm thinking that there are so many people for whom the loss of their addict does crack them open it absolutely cracks them open and there is, there is no logic to it and it there is no answer to it. You have to go through it and you have to work it out. But as you say, that's when they need friends and family. They need people who will sit with them in silence if needed. I'll give you an example. Yeah. After Steve died and I was so unstable, my cousin from America came to stay. Mm-hmm. And I remember lying on the floor in my sitting room and my three younger ch- my children were in the house and I was not able to cope with them or anything and I lay on the floor and there was a piano on in that room. And I rolled under the piano mm. and I sobbed. And my cousin came in and she didn't say anything, but she got on the floor and she put her arms around me and rolled under the piano with me. And we stayed there till I was stable. Mm. Now that is amazing. Yeah.
0: And absolutely meeting you where you were at at that moment mm. and not sweeping it under the carpet or saying come on let's have a cup of tea or allowing that that horrendousness of that grief to to be there and and what you say about the power of actually your you expressing that and your body you're needing to go through it your body physically needs to actually process stuff like so that mm. yeah that's a really wonderful yeah story of of what to do really with somebody
1: and she didn't need to save me she didn't need to make me better she didn't need to do anything because there's nothing she could do and she just needed to be strong with me yeah she did
0: yeah yeah that's wonderful I guess that's also something I've been thinking about more recent weeks and, and months is that as you said at the beginning you described yourself as someone who's been traumatized by loving an addict and the trauma of that is so incredibly painful, but also after many years, it's also very familiar to you. It's something that's been your every day and you've, you've known for several years. How do you release that familiar to create a new familiar that might be scary? Because although it's been difficult, it's also scary to release it because it, it was known. Is that, does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. A really, really good point. Yeah. Where's the chaos? Where is it? There seems to be much more time in my day. I'm not afraid of the phone ringing. Yeah, I don't wake up in the morning because I turned my phone off at night for 15 years because I couldn't cope with the calls. And I used to wake up in the morning, put the phone on and think,
0: oh, my Lord. What am I going to find? What's on the phone? Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. The absolute chaos that we lived in, the noise, the fear, There's so much fear. That the kind of helplessness, that the powerlessness over this whole thing, that's gone. And I seem to have 12 more hours <laughs> in the day, mm. and there is silence. There's so much silence. And it's almost as if the riot has gone home. There's no riot anymore. Yeah, yeah interesting. You know, I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. I am, I am dealing with it because I have to, because... Even if I wasn't dealing with it, I'd still be dealing with it. If you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm here. I, I, I'm while I'm here and I'm breathing and I'm alive, it will be dealt with. It is being dealt with.
0: It's just like slowly developing a new normal, really, isn't it? Working out what that is. Yeah,
1: what, working out what it is, and and also I'm, you know, this this loss has left me so exhausted. I am so tired, so much of the time it's quite good to have the space to rest in yeah. but you know i do um, i do wish sometimes the phone would ring and i could I, I think well actually i would handle that little kind of gasp of anticipation when i see Kostya's name coming up on the phone i'd love that to just happen one more time you know and then i think well okay i would love that but i also would not love that what i would love is for him to be alive and well. Yeah. But that wasn't him. No. And that wasn't his story or mine. And here we are. And I just um I'm, I'm just doing it mm. day by day, minute by minute. Yeah.
0: I think there's something quite profound in that, in the silence of giving you space to reflect on where you are and and also to realise how noisy the noise was and the chaos. And going back to what we were saying before about when you're in it, you know, you know it's happening, but it's often not till it's not there that you realise how large it really was. Yeah. And I love that you're feeling like you've got more space and peace in some ways in, in, in your days in that way. And and just because that's emotionally exhausting, I imagine.
1: Yeah, it is. Because Kostya, things were looking up for him. But his it's as if, you know, he, he didn't tell us how bad he was. It was only the last six months or so I began to see quite how bad an alcoholic he was yeah. and quite how addicted and dependent his life was and how his body was falling apart. His mind, he's so intelligent. His mind was still bright, but his perception of reality could be, could be very difficult to deal with. He had no love for himself, none at all. He couldn't accept love given to him because before he died he found love his partner Darren came into his life and Darren is just beautiful Darren would look after him lovely Darren yes and I loved Kostya and Dimitri here my his brother loved Kostya and even his sister Alexia who didn't Mm. get on with him she was really compassionate and and lovely about him and to him there was a lot there but he couldn't allow it. He couldn't allow it. And you know, when I found him, Kath, I felt on the journey up to London. We were going to have a day out together that Friday. Mm. And on the train up to London, I was feeling happy, and I just had also this thought in my head that maybe this is the last time I'll feel happy because course he wasn't answering his phone for the last twenty four hours, and I thought something's wrong, and he'd left his door unlocked and i walked in and i just knew and he was lying he was sitting on his sofa he was already very white very cold very stiff and he had a quarter of a bottle of vodka next to him mm. and his flat had been cleaned by darren there was one little light on or because of the darkness that he lived in he couldn't funnily enough accept daylight he wouldn't let light in so the curtains were drawn it was dark there was a lamp and there was his needle and some something in the needle mm. uh just next to him. And I thought I thought oh when I first found him I thought, you're so cold and I wanted to put a blanket on him. I mm. thought, well that will warm him up and then he'll come back. And then I thought, no, you know, not at all. This this poor lad, he's actually done it. He's he's dead. Um and then I thought darkness got him. I thought the darkness finally closed over his head and that night when I went back to my bed and I thought I'd never sleep or eat again, I had this thought in the night that that darkness, it's to be despised, it's to be kicked away, it's to be told to go and that darkness cannot come for me and it cannot, cannot have any part in any of our lives we have to notice the darkness, we have to look for it, we have to acknowledge it's there, and then we have to tell it to bog off, and we have to be firm about it. And then I thought, this darkness, it got his body, and it got his mind, but it didn't get his soul. It hasn't got his soul. He is not, he cannot be affected by this darkness ever again. And my job is to make sure I'm not that And anyone that I come across, if I can, I am to shine a light on that darkness, so to say to people, you don't need to own this darkness. Notice yeah. it's there and then get rid of it. doesn't stop you grieving. It doesn't stop you from having the sorrow and the loss. But what it does is it gives you power over your own process. And it also gives you permission to live. And we have to live. People that are left after such a loss, any loss, we have to live we are needed here by the fact that we're alive and we have to understand that we take control and it sounds impossible if you're in that cracked open like a nut phase what i'm saying makes no sense but it will make sense at some point it will and we have work to do people that are left here alive and these losses are not sent to destroy us they are they are sent somehow to strengthen us what will we do with it yeah. what do we choose to
0: do yeah how do you transmute it into something that's going to be amazing and actually yes. you, use the power of it to create something new and create new life in a way in the sense of the work that you do and the conversations that you're having and there's a, mm. a bizarre vibrancy in the horror of the subject as well like there's a
1: yeah
0: it, it's incredibly powerful
1: it is powerful And once people feel that they can talk about it and say all the words they feel they shouldn't say, then we're going somewhere. Mm. And I think that when I say, what are we going to do about it? Well, maybe at some point in our lives in the future, somebody who is suffering so badly will come our way and we will understand and we will be the one who will say, come here, I hear you. I see you, you're going to be fine. And we can support them yeah. because we understand it. And that's powerful.
0: There's nothing quite like the physicality on a, a deep, deep level of actually having experienced that and every level, like mind, body, soul, knowing what that actually feels like to be able to support another person.
1: Yeah. And it might be a surprise to us. Mm. We might think that we're, you know, we're all, we're still in our own grief until mm. somebody. Who's in that early stage comes along, and we think, "No, I understand this. I know what I wanted to hear. I'll do that. I'll do it for this person, and it'll be as as you and I talk about often. It'll be under the radar. Yeah. Nobody will put it in a newspaper. Nobody will trumpet it from the rooftops. It will just be a wonderful, kind, uh, compassionate act that you will do, and the ripple effects go out." Yeah.
0: And we often don't see those ripple effects either. No. And I think that's one of the things that's, that is powerful, of is doing it with an intention oh. that is honourable means that you don't necessarily see it, but you don't need to see it because you know that it's going out there and it's doing what it needs to do.
1: Yeah, it's, we're, we're not doing it for brownie points. Mm, yeah, We're doing it. What, what, what is it? We're, we're doing it for compassion, but also we're doing it because it's the right thing to mm. do. You just know it, intrinsically
0: what is mm, the right thing to do.
1: Mm, mm. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: So in some ways I don't want to say a new beginning because that, that feels more like I'm um, erasing Kostya and I don't want to do that. I, it's not the right word, but it's is, there is a beginning of some sort in where you're at now and the, the future is obviously going to be very different for you. So where in that, Compassion for yourself and for Kostya and your family, and, and the work that you're doing. Where is it taking you, or where are, or rather, where are you taking it?
1: Well, I think we're hand in hand. I'm not sure. I think at the moment my energy is going to keeping the light mm. and being, what is it, being aware. Where is it going? The new beginnings. Well, there will be work. I will, I will write and paint about this. Mm. experience. And I think I'm going to incorporate overdose deaths Mm. into both the graceful death and the addicts and those who Mm. love them. I will work on the death of someone through overdose and through suicide Mm -hmm. because that's what it was. I have work to do at the moment before Kostya died. I had four exhibitions back to back to put on. So I've got one starting next Tuesday. Um, the, the A Graceful Death exhibition in Brighton in the library there as part of Dying Matters Week mm-hmm. and then I've got Addicts and Those Who Love Them which will be shown in Brighton in June and then Wandsworth Festival in London in June and then in Edinburgh for the festival mm. in August Did so you... that takes a mm. lot yeah and <laughs> a I have paintings for them <laughs> exactly a lot of preparation So I'm going through the motions and preparing all this. I will have to be public for all of these exhibitions because that's how the exhibitions work. Because of the subjects, um, I'm there because people need to talk. But I'm thinking that I will do all these exhibitions. And when everything's finished in the beginning of September, I may well lock myself away Mm. and see what happens in the studio, see where, where I'm taken. About writing and painting around this this new experience. Mm.
0: Have you thought of? I don't know why, but it just came to me as you were as you were talking. You you're painting all these other people and their experiences. Have you ever painted yourself and how your experience is?
1: <laughs> well, I've done one mm. um, ages ago for the graceful death, but I made myself look so much thinner and nicer. <laughs> and I really am. I'm because yeah, you're really a horrible
0: person. Aren't you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I that's just really I funny. just thought, oh gosh, you know, that that's a lot about my own vision of <laughs> myself. I haven't done one of myself. I'll have to think about that. Mm. I think because with all the the work I'm doing, I'm asking questions of other people. And I'm trying to I started a Graceful Death trying to work out what death was after Steve died. And then as you know, I lost, what did I do? I, I lost Steve and then I lost my mother and then my brother and then my husband because I married again and then and then my father and then a lot. Kostya. This this is the sixth one. And I was trying with a graceful death to work out, well, where did they go? What happens? What? What? How do you feel when you're dying? So there's, there's a lot of discovery there. And then for the addicts and those who love them, I didn't know what to make of addiction and alcoholism. So I, I started asking other people who were in addiction or through addiction, working with addiction, you know, well, tell tell me what's what's going on. So it's all been about asking people the, the questions about themselves so, so that I can understand a bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I can't see my, myself being interviewed, but why not? I might interview myself and do a to myself and
0: yeah. off myself you you've talked a lot about the the catastrophic nature of the first death and the impact of you and that i just see a series of the the evolution and and how you've processed and what you've learned and yeah, yeah i don't know it's just i just have an image in my head of it maybe i'll do it for you <laughs> Andrew, you get my cartoons it's probably not going to fit the bill
1: <laughs> oh i think that'd be lovely <laughs> i'm thinking that if i exhibited 15 paintings of myself <laughs> okay. and i was there people might say well have you a problem Antonio?" you <laughs> and then you'd say yes i have a problem <laughs> yes i need more paintings of me that's what i <laughs> yeah, need yeah i mean it does problem. look a bit
0: like full of yourself if you, but it just i don't know i just think there's a, something lovely about it the idea of the yeah. ultimate and maybe but maybe that then also feels like a conclusion and maybe there isn't ever a conclusion to this as well but I think the only way it could work in
1: my mind is to make it slightly witty so it wasn't too deep. But then yeah. what's that saying, you know? Well, know.
0: yeah, it's a really diff- <laughs> difficult
1: difficult.
0: Oh dunno Well that's for another conversation another day. <laughs> oh oh me. Before we go, I wanted to ask you two last questions. Firstly is. If you could pass any additional advice to a parent or somebody who's a sibling or a loved one of someone who's an addict or who's dying, what, who's in your shoes, essentially, what would it be?
1: I think I would say don't be frightened. Fear is an, it's a terrible energy that prevents good things from happening often. So if somebody has somebody they love who's an addict, I would say get help for yourself get help from other charities or people that support families and friends of addicts so that it's not a disaster when terrible things happen because Mm. they do all the time in addiction so i'd say get help for yourself and love your addict and understand boundaries for people who are dying if somebody you love is dying and you love them i would say you already know them so well that you know what to do Mm. and i would also say don't don't let fear stop you from being yourself with this person who you already love and you already have that relationship with yeah Yeah. you know so i i think maybe for both the thing is to banish fear Mm. talk to people you know look after yourself if you have to deal with addiction you need help and you need support from good like-minded loving real people and if you are in the position where you are dealing with somebody's death, again, find support from people who love you and understand you and will support your process. And don't be frightened to go and see your
0: loved one and just be you. Wow, that's quite a conversation. Thank you so much for your time. And you've already mentioned your exhibitions coming up with, with Brighton, Two in Brighton and then uh, Wandsworth and also the Edinburgh fringe how can people who might want to come find out more know where you'll be what timings all that kind of stuff what's the best way for people to find out
1: OK, I'm going to update my website mm-hmm. and put it all on there, which is AntoniaRolls.co.uk. Okay. And you can find me on Instagram as Antonia Rolls, Twitter as Antonia Rolls, and Facebook as Antonia Roles, <laughs> because I have made it really easy That's for you. perfect. It's just <laughs> easy. And I've, I'm on Twitter a lot at the moment. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of follow me and what I'm doing yeah. there.
0: OK, wonderful. And I'll put those links in the show notes so that people can find them easily too thank you no thank you I I I love talking with you Antonia it always is an incredibly profound conversation and I I often have questions ready just in case it's it's never going to happen but then there's a silence and there's nothing to say but but I just love being able to see where a conversation goes with you and you you have such grace and wisdom and there's a sense of quiet stillness and strength in you that that i really enjoy talking with and observing and and kind of responding to so thank you so much for your time and for sharing more about your story personally uh, and also just generally how you feel about things and what's been going on because i know it's it's absolutely massive and i i really just want you to know how much i value you sharing that with us because as we know it it can be incredibly difficult as well so thank you very much
1: Well, thank you, Kath, and I love you.
0: Yes, I love you too. Thank you. <laughs> I've never ended a podcast with "I love you," and I think that's that's beautiful. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much, and you. I love you God too. God bless you, love. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.